Peace be with you. Today's gospel lesson seems a somewhat strange reading on a Sunday when the sanctuary is draped with white paraments. When I think about the Sundays of the year when we worship with the white paraments, the occasions which our bulletins tell us magnify the person and work of Jesus, I think of Christmas and Christmastide, Epiphany, Transfiguration, Easter and Eastertide, Trinity Sunday, and All Saints Sunday. I guess it should really come as no surprise that we would celebrate Christ the King Sunday with white paraments, yet there is something a bit odd about celebrating Christ's kingship by reading of Jesus' interrogation following his arrest. Jesus had had a very long night. He was betrayed by one of his inner circle. And while being arrested, there was the incident with Malchus's ear. Luke's gospel tells us some quick messianic surgery was needed. Jesus is questioned by Annas, father-in-law of the high priest, Caiaphas, the high priest, and then taken to Pilate. Though, when they got to Pilate's place, those who took him there did not want to go in because then they would not be able to eat the coming Passover meal. Pilate tries not to take custody of Jesus, but eventually calls him in to be questioned. And then here we are, Christ the King Sunday, sometimes called Reign of Christ Sunday. Jesus the Lord of lords and King of kings, being carted around from one would-be judge to another. People angry and unsettled enough with Jesus that they want him punished and killed, but they don't want to be the ones to do it themselves. Finally, with Pilate, we get questions and answers. Pilate asks Jesus, what have you done? Jesus responds, my kingdom is not of this world. My followers would be fighting to keep me from being handed over to the Jews, if it were. But, as it is, my kingdom is not from here. And Pilate pounces, so you are a king. Now, if Jesus were to claim to be a king, he would be putting himself at odds with the ruling government. Jesus does not agree. Instead, he responds, you say that I am a king, something Pilate could never say. For if Pilate were to say this, he would be putting his job and probably his life in jeopardy. And then Jesus says something interesting. Jesus says, for this I was born, and for this I came into the world to testify to the truth. Everyone who belongs to the truth listens to my voice. In this short exchange, Jesus, the unacknowledged king, verbally and non-verbally, acknowledges the power dynamics at play in his situation and then sidesteps them to call upon those hearing him. Then 
and now to recognize a different power structure, one that begins with telling the truth. These words from Jesus were so threatening and confusing to Pilate, the person who has the most power in the story, that the very next verse after today's lesson has Pilate saying, what is truth? Then, Pilate moves on to distance himself from offering a judgment over Jesus. I wonder if Pilate's confusion came from being in the presence of someone who so clearly saw the world as it was that the power that Pilate had accumulated and the lies that were its foundation failed to manifest in Jesus' presence. And Pilate didn't know what to do about it. Truth is like that. It has the power to disrupt and destabilize. Oscar Romero is said to have attributed the underdevelopment of his country of El Salvador to the institutionalization of intolerance to truth. Can you imagine saying that about a whole society? That its underdevelopment was the result of an intolerance to truth? that it had become so normal and expected that it becomes the foundation upon which injustice is built. Come to think of it, maybe that's not so hard to believe after all. We barely expect the people who are charged with leading local, state, and national governments to tell the truth. There are organizations who profit from rating politicians' statements on a range of untruth, from one to four Pinocchios, of all things, from true to pants on fire, as though we were all still in kindergarten. Perhaps worse, though, are lies we hear a little closer to home, from friends or teachers or colleagues at work. Worst of all are the lies we tell ourselves. Some of them seem innocent enough I'll have enough time if I just press snooze one more time. Some seem to hurt only ourselves. Five miles per hour isn't really speeding. And then there are others that have a veneer of truth, but to scratch the surface is to see the truth beneath. Hard work is the key to success. I know all of these to lack the fullness of truth. The snooze button has led far to far too many tardies, not to mention broken relationships between roommates. A cursory look at traffic laws will indicate that any speed over the limit is speeding. And there are too many people working multiple jobs while living in poverty for hard work to be the key to success. And Jesus said, I came into this world to testify to the truth. Yes, truth has the capacity to be uncomfortable and disruptive. If truth can be uncomfortable and disruptive with just these few things, I wonder if that means we have some of that intolerance to truth Romero was talking about. 
The truth that got Jesus into so much trouble, though, was not the stuff about alarm clocks or riding a donkey over the speed limit. With Jesus, it was a resistance to systems of power that were built on an intolerance to truth. Jesus recognized God as the true source of power. It was God who created the earth. It was God who breathed life into dirt and called that breath-filled dirt humanity. It was God who called, caused the whole earth to flood and who made a century-old couple parents. It was God who spoke to Moses in a burning bush and led the Israelites through the Red Sea on dry land. It was God who held that kind of power, the power to create and destroy, the power to make and to bend the very laws of nature. Holding to the knowledge of that kind of power, what kind of power did Annas and Caiaphas and Pilate really have? They had the only kind of power which humans agree to give to a person, or more often to keep from a person. Leadership is this way. As long as people agree to follow, the leader has a limited amount of power. Sometimes a board gives power to a leader, a CEO or an executive director. If the leader loses the board's confidence, though, then the leader stands to lose the power that has been given. This very human power that Pilate and the others possessed was pressed when Jesus said to Pilate, you say that I am a king. To put those lips on, put those words on Pilate's lips threatened his power. Jesus knew the truth about power. Human power fades. It does not last. It can change hands quickly. And Jesus also had to have known that human power has limits in terms of what it can do to another human. It's true that humans have found ever increasingly cruel way to exert power over other humans. Slavery, torture, trafficking, terrorism, exploitation, and more. And all of that before taking a person's life. I don't want to diminish the horror of these things, but that's the extent of human power wielded negatively. Meanwhile, what kind of power does God have? God has the power to create from nothing. And presumably God has the power to make nothing out of creation. Whereas human power is given, there is nothing to suggest that humans can give God power. Jesus knew about both of these types of power when he was brought to Pilate. And Jesus said, I came into this world to testify to the truth. And the truth that Jesus must have seen in his interrogation by Pilate is that Pilate's power paled in comparison to the kingdom of God. That if Pilate should execute Jesus, the kingdom of God would remain. 
And if we keep reading, that's just what happened. Pilate and the mob clamored for Jesus to be executed, though he was found not guilty. Jesus had not broken any of the Ten Commandments. He had not broken Roman laws. But he had threatened the power of those in leadership by telling the truth. Jesus worked to extend the kingship of God by telling the truth. So what does the kingship of Christ require of us? Jesus offered us a glimpse of that in this passage as well. Jesus says, for this I was born, and for this I came into the world to testify to the truth. Everyone who belongs to the truth listens to my voice. What does it mean that we belong to the truth? Romero's words about El Salvador could have been about the United States, that there is an institutionalization of intolerance to truth, from the information we read, hear, and watch to the words we think, speak, and write. Perhaps. One place to start belonging to the truth is with ourselves. Leaning into the power of God rather than the power of humans might mean that we try harder to always tell the truth. Some might call this using careful speech. It may sound like a small thing, but like so many lessons we learn in life, until we learn the small things, until we master the basics, until we are fluent with the fundamentals, we will never be able to move on to more complex things. We must first learn to speak true words before we can effectively uncover truths that are external to ourselves. Belonging to the truth also requires us to develop a sense of curiosity that is not satisfied with an answer just because it sounds like what we want to believe is true, but presses further and deeper until all that remains is truth. Jesus understood well the truth of power, who had it and what kind they had, and he also understood the power of truth, just how disruptive and destabilizing it can be. And with all of this knowledge, Jesus said, I came into this world to testify to the truth. 